0: Every year around February or March, I hit my low point. The days are short, work starts before the sun comes up and ends after it starts to set, and after a month or two of that, it happens. Seasonal Affective Disorder. It slams me like a knockout punch every year, even when I know it's coming. I thought moving to Southern California would help, but it's arguably worse here because there are essentially no seasons to speak of. Sure, it goes down to 50 degrees, like a tenth of the trees lose a couple of leaves, but... Where I grew up, winter darkness was illuminated by reflective snow, so even the nights felt a little bit brighter at times. When it comes, it always takes me off guard. I get sad about things in my life, unreasonably sad, and I spend half my time second-guessing my sadness and beating myself up about being sad. It's become a cliche, but it really does feel like a downward spiral that I have yet to find a cure for. Even though my productivity is high, I'll feel useless. Even though I may be doing creative things, I feel uninspired. And even though good things might be happening or people might be treating me nicely, I'm in a constant mood of high highs and very low lows. It's like being a completely different person for a few weeks. It's this inescapable cloud that fogs up the road of my life and makes it challenging, but not impossible, to drive forward. Does any of this resonate with you? For me, it happens intensely once a year, and I know the source. But for many others, it can be constant. And for some, it can be terminal. But one thing that I know helps for me and helps for a lot of people is to know that I'm not alone in experiencing this and that it's okay to talk about. So today, we're talking about it. Today's word is depression. Let's have a moment. Recently, I wake up and I'm immediately on TikTok. It's a little bit of an addiction, but it makes me really happy. The way Instagram used to. And before that, Facebook. And before that, YouTube. Okay, so YouTube still makes me happy. But the thing about TikTok is, right now, it feels like a really positive place. People are dancing and cooking and sharing personal stories. They're philosophizing, making art. And some people are just making daily videos of their everyday life set to great music. It feels like the whole world is alive when I'm on there. But I have to remind myself that it is still social media. And so by default, I'm looking at people's projected selves. Yes, that person can dance very well. But what I can't tell from the video is if, like me, they're second guessing themselves. Social media is a mask. Everyone uses it that way. It's the same reason why when we bump into someone we haven't seen in a while, we only tell them the really good stuff or the really bad stuff. We're looking for something, some form of gratification. We want people to think we're doing well, to be a little bit jealous that we found the perfect donut or secret dive bar or are having a blast in quarantine, repainting all of our furniture. Or we're looking for pity for someone to tell us that it's going to be okay. To force someone to reach out and make contact the point is it's manipulative because it has taken the place of a lot of real social interaction well i haven't spoken to them in like 10 years but i like all of their photos so we're pretty close and behind all of these profiles and posts behind these masks that we all wear is the vastly complicated human mind of the individual Look, I'm not here to talk trash about social media platforms. I use them. I love them. And I do get genuine interaction out of them. All I'm saying is that we talked about isolation in our first mental health episode. And I think social media can cause a form of antisocial isolation that leads to a lot of depression. And depression, as we all know, is one of those no-no words that you don't bring up at the dinner table. It's scary. It's challenging, and because as a society we don't really talk about it very much, we as individuals become more susceptible to the darker side of it. The isolation. The trauma of experiencing deteriorating self-worth. When I was a kid, it was spoken about rarely. Boys were told to be a man, to bottle up their feelings. Therapy was portrayed on TV as something war veterans and tough cops fought to get out of because they didn't want to appear weak. And then Tony Soprano came along, and we started to realize that if a mob boss can benefit from therapy, uh, maybe I could give it a try too. I know, I know. Analyze this, analyze that. This isn't a movie and TV podcast. It's Bloodstream. And we're going to bring on Debbie in a moment to help rein it in, but the point I'm trying to make is we are all getting better at talking about depression, but we need to keep going. I believe we did a whole mental health documentary last year called Let's Talk, and we're now working with chapters to tour the film and get real conversations going across the country. It's an exciting time for mental health, and it's a topic that has a lot of weight and history in the bleeding disorders community. If you've been listening the past two weeks, you know what comes next. Debbie De La Riva, founder of Mental Health Matters 2, a website of incredible mental wellness resources, is joining us to help deepen our understanding of depression. Debbie, Welcome back to the show. Awesome to be here. I want to start out today simple. What is depression?
1: So, in the simplest terms, depression is a mood disorder, and it's characterized by by two things, really. Number one, this just profound sadness and loss of interest in in basically your your life. You know, a lot of people, Josh, think that the opposite of depression is is happiness, gregarious, or lightness, something like that. Mm-hmm. But no, the opposite. Depression is vitality. It's being present in your life and just being open to, to everything. That's why depression is so hard to figure out sometimes because it can be so slight that uh, you don't really know.
0: Not to just harp on the whole COVID thing, but being in our homes for a year, it's kind of hard to tell, am I just bored out of my mind? Or am I feeling depressed? Because there is um, that like little slice of life feels like it's missing.
1: Definitely so. And so what I like to do is just clarify, you know, what is basically what we call the the Bible in the psychology field, the DSM five, the the, the thing that um, describes all the characteristics. Depression in a nutshell is like this. It's something that has been pervasive for two weeks or more. And there's a couple of different symptoms, but of which um, feeling sad and a loss of interest in things are the hallmark of it. Mm -hmm. But then there's also, if you have five of these symptoms, you might want to think about, you might be characterized as having a clinical depression as opposed to a hard time. Depressed mood, like I said, loss of interest. And then it has to do with your sleeping too much or sleeping too little. Same thing with eating, eating too much or too little. There's kind of this slowing down of your thought process where it's really hard to concentrate. It's really hard to focus on one thing. Feeling this overwhelming fatigue, like it's really difficult just to do the things you would normally do, like go to the grocery store. Uh, feelings of worthlessness, That that's a big sign that it's not so much just going through COVID. Um, And then, of course, you have the reoccurring thoughts of death or if you're having fantasies or ideas of of suicide. Um, If you're having five or more of these symptoms and if it's something that's uh, been recurring in your life, that's how you know you might be having more of a problem than a situation.
0: I, I deal with seasonal depression. It happens to me every year. And I get I get to that point where a lot of these things sound familiar of like just having no interest in anything, overeating, making bad decisions mm-hmm. for myself, like drinking too much or eating too much or spending too much time on the couch, lack of exercise. And I know in my mind, I know that exercise is directly linked to happiness. I know that if I just get on the exercise bike or just go out for a walk, it instantly boosts my mood, but I can't motivate myself to do it. And for me, it's typically like two weeks, sometimes mm-hmm. three, that I'm dealing with that. It can be kind of weird because I know it's coming and then I know it's happening and then I know it happened. So the whole time I'm aware of it. So it's hard for me to define it as depression. I think a lot of times I, I mostly just feel like, come on, you're just being a loser.
1: I'm glad you were so poor, right? <laughs> For right with that, the, hey, you're just being a loser. Because here's a deal with depression; it comes with a package, and that is shame. And so, what happens is, either we ourselves, Josh, or society will do it for us. We go into, well, you should just exercise. You need to pray more. You need to eat better foods. You need to stop thinking about the past. Oh, gosh, Josh, look around. You got a great house. You got a health. We do all this stuff where we're blaming the person for actually having the symptoms of depression. It's a pretty bizarre thing. It's it's like, um, us going to a bleeding sort of conference and blaming us for having a bleed. Mm -hmm. Just makes no sense whatsoever. But well, and people well intended people will throw shame.
0: What do you do in that situation? How do we make that change? Because I know I know for myself what those solutions might be. But what I do every year is just lean into the depression and, you know, wait it
1: out. Exactly. And like you said, because number one, you might not even be recognizing it for, as that. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. And and then there's this mentality that we can just snap out of it. And that's my biggest suggestion for people who are experiencing depression is to have that self-compassion to understand you just can't snap out of it. This is a biochemical condition where actually you don't have enough of the chemicals that are involved for feeling pleasure again and feeling um, like you're in charge of your life. Then look at, look at the other side of it, there's got all this neural circuitry that's involved. Like, if, if, like what you just said, Josh, I'm beginning to feel sad, um, gosh, I'm a loser, because I, I can't snap out of it. That's actually a neural circuit circuitry that's been formed into your brain, that those, that one thought leads to the other, as opposed to, I'm feeling really depressed, it's because I have a biochemical problem at this moment. And there are things I can do for myself, and I'm going to try to do them the best I can, given the fact that I'm living with depression. Kind of a whole different way of looking at it. Another piece of that is that people got to realize that, oh my gosh, you just can't change depressive coping skills. You can't do maladaptive skills just overnight. These things have developed, you know, for many, many years. The key to helping people who are dealing with depression is just really allowing them to feel the feelings to validate that they're there for a reason, and you just understand that I might need to get some extra help right now, and that's okay.
0: My, my depression is, uh, seasonal. I know for some people it can, it can be very, very different. And specifically for the bleeding disorders community, it can be linked to our past. In our first episode, we talked about the Mm -hmm. HIV AIDS epidemic, um, and how that affected the bleeding disorders community a little bit. Um, what are some other ways that depression can present itself within the community?
1: What I've really seen, Josh, is a lot of people who are having depressive feelings, but they want to hide it from the community itself. Uh, this was really played out two years ago at at, a, at one of the national conferences where the younger guys didn't even feel like they had a voice about how rough it is to live with, with hemophilia based on what the older generation went through. So um, I, I see that there's a resistance to even acknowledge it because um, people don't feel like that they have a right to have, to be depressed. And that's one of them that I saw. Um, Another thing is that people might withdraw from the community in general because, again, it's just either too painful to be there and to have those memories or not feeling understood and withdrawing. I want to speak to the moms and the dads out there, too, about how depression can manifest itself in our community because people might not even realize that our focus is on that child. We see ourselves as a link you know, to keep them alive and keep them safe. And what I'm seeing is parents are just wearing themselves thin and taking on all this guilt and um, not really taking care of themselves. So that's kind of how I see it many times in the community.
0: What's a good way to talk to someone who's feeling depressed? You know, when, when we bump into someone you can see the telltale signs or, or maybe they reveal to you like, Hey, I'm having a really difficult time, feeling depressed, uh, you know, I'm having these thoughts or whatever. How, 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 do you react to that? What's a positive way of reacting?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You asked for a positive way, but I'm, I'm going to go straight to the, what not to do.
0: Oh, perfect. Just... <laughs> I want to know that too.
1: <laughs> no, it's just that, um, instead of saying it's going to be okay. Oh my gosh, that can be so antagonizing to someone who's feeling depressed because no, in my current state, it's never going to be okay. Hopelessness and helplessness is a part of depression. But just to change that, uh, that whole uh, verbiage to a person to say, I see you, I know that you're really going through a hard time and it's impossible to think that you're going to feel better. And, um, and at the same time, I'm always going to be there for you. Uh, it doesn't matter. if You don't ever feel like you're being a drag to me. I understand this is how you feel, and um, I'm going to stick with you. My, one of my favorite things is what my family would do with me, or to me, rather, as growing up. The past is the past. You know, that's your problem. You're just focusing on, on your childhood, and you just need to forget it. Um, no. Uh, people with depression, um, yes, you're right, that there might be an idea that we might focus more on negative things as opposed to positive but to realize when you're saying that to somebody, you're just invalidating their whole experience. So uh, it could be worse. Don't forget about the people that you see in Save One Life, you know, the people that don't have factors delivered to their doors. That's just that's just throwing shame on feeling sorry. There's actually a course that teaches people how to talk to people who are feeling depressed. It's called Mental Health First Aid. And it's not, there's even an acronym that's attached to it called ALGIE. And basically, it's a the list the L part is just listen non-judgmentally. It's it's hard, depending upon your relationship with that person, just to be in that space and allow them to be in pain, and not judging it, and not trying to fix it for them. So that that's a big part of it. And another thing is that we tend to tell people that they're depressed and they're acting this way and they need to change, instead of just saying, you know, I really noticed that you've you've lost a couple of pounds. I'm wondering if you're doing okay. You know, just instead of going, you are come from, I've really noticed this about you and I'm wondering if you want to talk about it. The thing about depression is too, is that, um, stress is what really stress is what really incites depressive feelings. It's like the trigger of it. And so it's not that you really need to do anything for that person's depression, but maybe you can do something for their lives just to make it a little bit easier offer to take care of their kids, so they can take a nap, um, you know, offer to do something around the house, so they can get the rest that they need. That's what
0: Yeah, I- one, one thing I believe that I'm really grateful for is, um, we, you know, we're a collection of artists, and, and we know that being an artist often comes with a lot of feelings. And, um we, we try and keep an eye on any of our uh, employees or, or each other on the leadership team um, so well. to just make sure that if if someone is needing space that we have uh, a structure set in place so that we can create that space for that person to to have a day to just recalibrate because being in production is incredibly stressful. We're working with tight deadlines. Sometimes we're working with very little sleep because we're just trying to get the job done in time. And that can be, that can be really taxing for people in, in our positions. Um, with the, the stories that we're trying to tell, you know, there's a lot of weight yeah. of, you know, is, this is important. We need to get it out there and you can very easily neglect yourself and that can put you in a depressive state.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. It's really nice to know that you guys are very sensitive to it and even have a plan and wouldn't, would the world be a beautiful place? We could just be not okay.
0: Yeah, I really wish uh, a lot more of the world would work that way, because having worked in like the restaurant industry, you know, you could be sick beyond belief. But if there isn't someone to back you up, you better be in that restaurant serving those tables, you know, and maybe things will be a little bit different post COVID. But I don't know, you know, I don't know. And unless we're talking about it, things aren't really going to change.
1: No, but I would I do want to highlight something that um, in in the movie uh, Let's Talk Mental Health. I mean, that's what's one of the producers or whomever was interviewing asked them, what did you need the most when you were depressed? And they talked about just validating my experience. Just, yeah, I can see that would really be a difficult thing for you to process or to go through. That's how, That's where the healing starts.
0: Does this all translate? To, to when it's really bad, when someone's feeling suicidal? Is the approach relatively the same?
1: These are steps to help people with depression, but how does that manifest when someone's actively suicidal? I mm-hmm. think, so yeah, it starts to be the same because again, the whole idea is this, is that you wanna create that space that, that someone can feel comfortable to talk about um, suicide and having all of these thoughts because that is so scary to have those thoughts in the first place. But if somebody can just say, yeah, I really hear that and normalize, or maybe even normalize it by, you know what? I, I've had thoughts about that in the past too. Or go to your intellectualized, oh, the, the research says, you know, people, it's real common to have these types of thoughts. But, and that is also about, I understand that this is the way you're feeling, but I need you to also understand that it's a, sometimes it can be a very impulsive act. It can be like a wave and so if you can just allow me to be in this space with you until this wave goes you know gets through you that um the, you're not going to be feeling so intense about this you know in in a matter of time
0: yeah yeah i i feel like we're, g- going back to you telling us about things not to say i feel like the thing we always see in movies is like don't kill yourself, that'd be so selfish, or like, you know, that's such a stupid decision. You're not a stupid person. Don't don't do that. And it seems like that's the that the even the wording in that is negative and and putting someone mm-hmm. down almost while trying, you know, maybe your intentions are good. Um, so it's really helpful to hear hear Even just hearing it's a wave, you know, this might be an mm-hmm. impulse, like, let's try and wait it out together. I'm gonna be here for you, that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, and then of course there's also some other things you need to do and that is just to assess with how suicidal you think this person is at the moment and that is the questions like, have you thought about um, how you'll kill yourself and have you gathered the means to do so? Uh, that's a really, really important part of um, this whole process. A lot of people are scared to do that though, Josh. They think that they're going to plant the seed, mm-hmm. which, <laughs> which is uh, such a Interesting thought because, oh, I hadn't thought about killing myself before, but now that you mentioned it, yes, you know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just not the the case. By asking that question, you actually allow people to, you know, to be heard so that you, you communicate, you can see they're, they're, they're hurt, and um, you can get a plan going on how to help them. But uh, if there's been a suicide attempt in the past or there's a family history of suicide, those are usually indications that this is more serious than than in general
0: so what are some resources that people can can look for to to kind of get themselves thinking about how to actively i don't know is combat the right word combat their own depression or work through
1: it yeah manage manage it but i'm glad you said combat because that's exactly what happens is that we we you know i have a history of depression uh, um, it started a number of years ago I'm now on medication and, and now I can manage it better but if I took the attitude that I need to combat it like when I get depressed and low and dark again that I need to get rid of it and fix it and fight it um, no, it's more like just, oh, okay, I'm someone that lives with depression I need to be able to do all the good things I know to do about for myself during this period of time But so that's one of them is recognizing when you're in it and, and um, and getting rid of this helplessness. When I feel depressed that many times there's like, there's this thought that there's nothing you can do about it. And so that's where that, when you had that schism, when you had, when you do you're having seasonal affective disorder, you knew this stuff. It, it is like the Nike commercial. You just do it mm-hmm. because you, you know, it's going to get on the other side,
0: have a plan in place,
1: have a plan in place before. Yeah. Cause um, when you're in it, you're least likely to do. To figure out something to do, It's is another thing in our community is that you know we go to our HTCs once a year and we we'll talk about the number of bleeds and frequency and what have you. but we don't many times people don't realize that um, your treatment team really needs to know what's going on emotionally as well. and so what do you do with your depression in our community? You, you talk to your HTC about it I, I know that sounds like common sense, but I also know that the, for example, Chris Bombardier. He'll talk about how he didn't want to tell his social worker how how crummy he was feeling inside because he he felt guilty about it. Those people are there; and they've invested their lives in them, and you just can't disappoint them. So I thought that was a really interesting discussion about that from his point of view. The other thing with d- depression too is that um, again, there's this idea that you're feeling there's nothing you can do about it. My brain has just decided to be depressed. And ways to combat that, too, is there's a lot of things you can do about it. If somebody is driving you crazy, you know, you've got to find ways of taking the keys away. And and (laughs) (laughs) what I'm saying by that is that uh, um, realizing the toxic people in your life and create boundaries. And so they're not able to get into your sense of self and your core uh, as easily.
0: Yeah, that can be a really hard thing to do. Um, especially, um, if you're, you're someone who like really likes to give and really likes to mm-hmm. care for other people, it can be hard when you're experiencing, it can be hard to admit that you need care and that you need space, because uh, you can be so focused on other people. Um, so it's good to hear, you know, it, that's yeah. a normal thing to, to put barriers up for the toxic people in your life.
1: Exactly. And I guess and the most powerful thing you can always do, too. And this is what I work on with with people all around the US is incorporating self-compassion within that depressed self. And what that really means is, okay, sometimes you don't want to get out of bed. I totally understand that. And just say something to yourself like that's the depression talking. And I know I'm also a good person and I'm a competent person. It's again just blending that self compassion inner talk with. And so you're not the one that's doing the shame on top of feeling like, you know, sad and and ineffective. So I could
0: talk about this for another hour. Um, there's just so much to cover. What are some resources that people can do their own research and take the conversation further on their own?
1: It's a lot like having a physical condition. There's at the least a base of things and this to throw yourself in and, 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 and try to work it through. But really one of the, one of the things listeners can do in that is to just to take a survey online with Mental Health America. They have surveys for depression, PTSD, anxiety, you name it. And you know, it'll it'll give you a score about, hey, you might want to check into this a little bit further with a with the physician. The other part is to talk openly with your with your HTC. There's all kinds of support groups that are going on right now. The uh Depression Bipolar Support Alliance. They have free support groups that are now going on by Zoom. And that helps you normalize your feelings too. And don't forget about the new Harbinger publications. They have all kinds of books and, and Josh, they even have a book for guys that says, why am I so damn depressed <laughs> and, and where she's associated with it. So I
0: appreciate that because it can be, <laughs> it can be hard if you were raised, uh, in a way that's, uh, you know, man up, put your feelings aside and, and just deal with it. You know, like that's yeah. outdated thinking.
1: It is. So uh, again, I just wanted to talk about that, that one uh, place that you can access all these work, workbooks.
0: Before we go, Debbie, would you mind taking us on a little moment of mindfulness to set our expectations for the rest of a good day?
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Great, so we'll end on a short meditation and send you, dear listener, on your way to a healthy and happy rest of your day. If you want more resources pertaining to mental health, please check out mentalhealthmatters2.com. That's mentalhealthmatters, to where you can find just tons of information and resources pertaining to mental wellness. And now for your moment of mindfulness with Debbie.
1: What I'd like you to do, I'd invite you to to close your eyes for just a moment and realize that you're breathing, as silly as that sounds. But I don't want you just to breathe, I want you to actually experience your breath. And what you wanna do is breathe in and count to four and breathe out and count backwards from four. So it's breathe in, one, two, three, four, out, four, three, two, one. And do a couple of cycles of this. And really feel what that's like to have air in your belly or what the air feels like as it goes through your nose. And then whenever you're ready, just kind of let your breathing go to normal. And it's really, really important for people to understand that all of these feelings whether it's feeling depressed, or anxious, or not good enough. They're just as normal as a breath going in and out of your body. It's simply the human experience. And when you can just have your feelings without attaching any type of meaning to it, Allow the feeling to do their job, and that is to let you know that things might not be okay right now, but eventually they will be. And then after you've had a few minutes to do this, you might wanna focus yourself back into the room But know at any time you can always go back to this safe, quiet spot where you can have your feelings, you can experience them, know the normal, and move about your day. Just like the breath continues to go in and out, so will different challenges, and you'll rise above them. I'd like to invite people to go ahead and open your eyes, kind of feel yourself in the room again. And you know it's just okay not to feel okay sometimes.